So there's a more holistic thinking of the whole experience throughout the org. It's not just about bringing those customers in, but also thinking before and after we brought them in, what makes them stay, how we can keep them for longer. Specifically, you know, in video streaming and, and a lot of those subscription businesses, we don't sell, you know, the product up front one time and, and that's it, sell a pair of shoes, move on. It is really about nurturing that relationship with the customers, making them keep using the service, making them develop the healthy habits, develop the emotional connection with the service. Hey, everyone, and thanks for listening to and watching the one-to-one consumer marketing podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Yoav Banai, who is VP of Retention and Engagement at Warner Bros. Discovery Streaming. Yoav, thanks so much for joining the podcast today. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. We connected uh, a while back. It seems like this episode was long in the making. Uh, you've been very busy over there. Do you want to maybe give the audience a, a sense of, of what you've been up to? Yeah, it's been an interesting and busy period for us. We launched uh, Max, our new streaming service, just a couple of weeks ago. And it's been in the making for probably the better part of last year. And it was really a great effort bringing the legacy Warner Media and Discovery teams really combining into one proper team and then followed by that one proper streaming service. That would give our customers a much better experience than the previous services we had, which are also great. <laughs> yeah, I can attest to being a fan of the old services and I am I am on the new one as well. So yeah, looking forward to what's in store. You know, leading up to that Big Max launch, you know, you've obviously uh, been in the industry for a while. Could you give our audience just a bit of background on you? and how you ended up at your current role at, at Warner Bros? Yeah, sure. My path was not a relatively straight one. I moved a bit. I actually started my career in the military. I spent about a bit less than six years there. Coming out of that, did a little bit of law, capital markets law, didn't stick with me very long. I moved over to join the music streaming industry, focused on strategy at the beginning, later on business development, and eventually settled on customer marketing and lifecycle. I did it for a few years and about two years ago, moved over from music to video streaming and joined what was then Warner Media, today's Warner Brothers Discovery, leading the retention and engagement teams focused on making sure our customers are enjoying the service. Yeah, I love I love that variety. I feel like marketers often have a, a zigzagging path to to where they ended up. I have to ask, because you were in music streaming and you said you, you were in law before that, you joined a streaming service, it was Deezer, right? Or was that at the point where, did you shift from law because you were seeing what was going on in the copyright and streaming space, or was it completely disconnected? It was pretty disconnected. I did capital okay. markets law. Uh, mm. I wasn't really in, uh, you know, rights of, of license, mm. all that. I joined Deezer to do strategy, not yeah. really focused on law and... Uh, it was super interesting times back then in the industry. It is still now in the industry and, and sort of made my way through the different roles within Deezer into marketing. And yeah, now that you said, you know, you're, you're settled on customer marketing, you're working in retention and also lifecycle. You've obviously gone through a big, you know, this major transformation with Max recently as well. How would you kind of summarize the state of consumer marketing today? And, and does it affect the work that you're doing right now? I actually think this is a super interesting time, almost like a renaissance for consumer marketing. For the last maybe 12, 15 years, marketing, specifically growth marketing, was focused on acquisition. It was all about getting new customers through the door. 
And really for the last year and even more so for the last six months, everyone's attention and focus and all the eyes are starting to pivot to the later half of growth marketing retention. So for us who are doing retention for a while, it is nice to be able to sort of onboard the rest of the company, the rest of the industry, our peers, our colleagues into, into the fascinating world of you know, retention, behavioral science, and expand our toolkit beyond just marketing as we collaborate with, with other teams across, across the org into really creating a holistic customer-centric experience. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That's really been the focus of the podcast uh, for me as well. I've been speaking to retention and CRM marketing leaders like yourself because we've really seen that shift that you're talking about away from growth at all costs and acquisition towards obviously, you know, the old adage of doing more with less, but also of really focusing on increasing the lifetime value of your customer. I mean, how has that shift played out for you at Warner Bros? Like, how does that play out at an organization of that size when you talk about a shift in focus from acquisition to retention? I think, you know, other than just the, you know, the obvious, the, changes in budget allocations and all that, when you think about like mindset, the marketing teams, the team that was doing acquisition marketing, you know, they will keep doing acquisition marketing and we're doing a great job, you know, and the teams that are doing retention marketing, you know, they'll keep doing what they were doing. The difference is how we're working with the rest of the org. And, you know, when product folk would focus on, you know, improving the buy flow experience, they would still do it, but they would spend a lot more of their attention and time also thinking about the onboarding experience and also thinking about the cancellation flow. And it goes just as product, it goes to the tech team and goes to the science team and goes to the entire org. So there's a more holistic thinking of the whole experience throughout the org. It's not just about bringing those customers in, but also thinking before and after we brought them in, what will make them stay, how we can keep them for longer. Specifically, you know, in video streaming and, and a lot of those subscription businesses, we don't sell, you know, the product up front one time and, and that's it, sell a pair of shoes, move on. It is really about nurturing that relationship with the customers, making them keep using the service, making them develop the healthy habits, develop the emotional connection with the service. So really thinking about the customer from every pillar, from, as I said, pricing team all the way to the data science and data engineering team. With marketing playing, I think, an interesting role right now of sort of like the point guard. We're trying to work with everyone and bring them to, I mean, we've been doing this for a while, so, so that's great. But really, it's, it's definitely not a marketing world. It's a world that encompasses the entire company in order to really achieve these things. Yeah, I love that. It sounds like it's not just something then that it's about freeing up financial resources in terms of technology, but you're actually getting direct access to all of the resources across the organization in order to really focus on retention. In terms of that shift and, you know, the focus that the org is placing on those areas, like how are you thinking about retention and lifecycle marketing today? You know, how are you how are you approaching it, especially in a, you know, I think HBO Max now Max is kind of one of the OG really quality content services. But there's obviously a lot of competition in the market and a lot of kind of fragmentation of the streaming services in general. So how do you think about it? How do you build loyalty with a customer and keep them? I think that's a great question, but because of the way it was phrased, and honestly, the answer is we're trying not to think about, you know, how are we going to market our content or how are we going to market the service and actually shift to think about what does the customer need or want? 
And when you look at that, it is not about how do we going to promote this show to this cohort so they watch it, but rather when is the right moment for each customer, because each customer will be different, that they can use our support, that they need our help on going on that healthy path. And we really moved our attention from a new show is coming up, how do we make sure everyone's aware about it, into what are the different stages in a customer lifecycle? What are the right intersections of the way customers use our product? And in which of these they need our support? And making sure we are ready to pick up on each of these intersections or junctions, whatever the customer needs, and then surface to them at that right moment, uh, the right message for them to put them on the right path. And there, those can be different things. The obvious one being, you know, how do we onboard a customer? They, they just sign up. Do we need to help them orient or not? And there also might be stuff like customers about to finish a show. Maybe now it's a good time to recommend something else for them to watch. Right. So of course, we're working with the content. We're working with the product, but it's not about marketing the content for the sake of marketing the content, marketing the product for the sake of marketing the product. It's about educating customers. Some of them might need this, some of them might not. So finding the right ones and educating the right ones about the right parts of the product when they need that and about the content that's relevant for them when they're interested in it. So we're much less of a you know scheduled marketing campaigns to promote releases as they come through and working much more heavier on mapping out breadcrumb analysis of our customers' behavior, finding those junctions, and each customer would hit a different junction at a different time, being ready for them with a message at that point or with a nudge or with whatever it is to put them on the healthy path. And the healthy path might be using some feature we have in the product and might be watching specific type of content, but we're trying not to force those messages at our time, but rather make sure they're delivered at the customer's time. And we're also trying not to force our message, but rather tailor it to the customer. So there was a lot of work done with basically all the teams I mentioned before on helping us having the technical foundation to be able to do this and you know trigger those right messages at the right time, populate those messages with the right piece of content for that specific user, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I love that. Very, very customer-centric approach to take. And I think I actually read an article that you worked on, I think, for The Drum, where it spoke to that idea, right, of focusing on cohorts rather than focusing on campaigns and really looking at what's going on in the customer journey. So it seems like that's a thread that you've been working on for quite a long time. I'd love to focus in on what you mentioned in terms of the technical foundation and like what are the those triggers that you use? Because I think that's something our audience is always interested. Like how are people mapping that journey and defining what triggers are important? Can you talk a little bit more about how you're doing that at Max? Yeah, sure. I mean, there's no big secret. The big secret is listen to the customer, right? And try to map that out. Look at, you know, what behaviors correlate with the retention or with churn, depending if you're a positive or a pessimistic person, you can look at the two sides, but sort of what correlate with retention and remembering the churn is sort of a lagging indicator. You don't churn immediately, right? Your behavior needs to start changing until you realize you don't longer did service. So which types of behaviors are happening on a product? Which type of content consumption is, is happening on a product? And by the way, I'll maybe try to even and generalize it more because I'm sure there's listeners or not in music streaming, but this can still be relevant. So how is the user interacting with your, with your product? And where are those pivotal moments where a certain behavior, certain action or lack of action can define, you know, their engagement trend moving from there? 
once you map those out, then it's making sure that you're talking to them at that moment, not three days later, right? Not the following Monday, but at that moment with a message that would be relevant for them. And for them is interesting because then we're going on to the whole world of personalization and how do we make sure we craft the message template? You know, we're looking at what is the action we we need the customer to take and what's the right type of content to help push them. But we're trying not to define the content ourselves and right tap into whatever recommendation algorithms are available to match it to that specific customer. But making sure we're, we're talking to them at that moment about the specific issue at hand with a solution, uh, and that can be like a content, that can be product education, that can be many other things that would help them make the right decision or take the right action, and that will put them back on the healthy track. So as we said, if you finish the show, you know, if you don't have anything to watch, that's in our business problematic. We don't want to wait for you to finish the show and talk to you the following Monday, right? We actually want to talk to you maybe even a few days before you're about to finish the show, so you start getting things lined up, right? So when should we talk to you? I mean, that's for each business to test and try. Is that at the moment you finish? Is that, you know, when you're 95% of a show, 85%, 100 like finished two days ago? I don't know. Let's test. Let's see. But finding out that space, what, when is the interaction intersection actually happening? When the customer in their mind started to think about what to watch next and making sure we're available for them at that moment, if they need our help to recommend something, they might not need our help. They might already have things lined up. Their watch list is full. They started sampling. Great. I'll stay out of it. Let them do their thing. They're healthy customers. And the same goes to a lot of other things. This can go into, as we said, customer onboarding. This can go to customers starting to look at how to cancel. Maybe it's the right moment to sort of understand why they're trying to cancel and, and try to pay, pay with that. Maybe showing what's coming next month to the service. Uh, there, there might be many other solutions. But the point is you focus on those intersections. You map it out based on correlating that with retention, correlating that with some other health metrics that we look at that we know are leading indicators for retention finding out what is the need at that moment, and then making sure you're there to present the solution timely and that is relevant to the specific customer. Yeah, I love that. And I was going to ask you, you mentioned obviously churn is a lagging indicator and you must be doing some prediction to understand likelihood to churn or what those leading indicators are. Can you, what are the leading indicators for you that you're measuring? Well, obviously you look at activity on, on the product who is watching, how often they're watching, what they're watching. But what they're watching being less important for us in terms of are they watching The Last of Us or are they watching Friends, but rather what type of content they're watching might be relevant. Because if you're watching the movie, then that's a three-hour experience that it's done. If you're watching Friends, that's 10 seasons of 22 episodes each, give or take, right? So we have more slack to play with about when is the right time to return. So it's not so much about you know, the specific title you're watching, but rather mm. what would be the expected behavior you'll have if you're watching that title. And that even can go into stuff like you are watching a, a show that's currently running, but have you joined that show from the start and watched it episode by episode, week after week, or have you joined at the end to binge it, right? Those two are also very different customer behaviors and experience, and those customers need different things from us. One would need, okay, during that week, since you join for that show and you watch, they will need support from us to start watching other stuff. The other customer is binging right through it. They don't really 
engage with our content throughout that binge experience. We need to be ready for them at the end with what to watch next and relevant stuff. And maybe with some supporting content, right? It's supporting podcast that goes along with the show. If it shows that the stars of that specific title also participate in others. So even the same piece of title can require different assistance for the customer, depending on how the customer engaged with that. So we're looking at how they're watching, when they're watching, and what, but what being more of sort of type rather than title. Yeah, I love, thank you for getting into the specifics, because I think also the specifics are the most interesting in certain cases. You're talking about personalization at scale, right? The really defining not just the content itself, but letting kind of the recommendation algorithm take that piece, but then meeting the customer in the right moment. There's inherent complexity to what you're talking about in terms of analyzing all the behavior, understanding what's the right moment, what is that intersection? What are the challenges that presents for you at Warner Bros? Yeah, I think there are there are a few challenges. If I have to name the biggest one, one is what I kind of alluded before. We're trying not to plan for the average customer, not even for a cohort, where we're really trying to be for the specific user, like customer, be there for them. So things need to be really relevant. The second one being we, as I said, moved away from doing marketing into like we're trying to shift behaviors, trying to influence behaviors. And and that's a hard job. People have their own habits. If we're trying to get them to develop new ones, it's difficult. It requires understanding the needs of the customer. It requires crafting the messaging the right way to create that emotional connection. It requires tapping into the customer's internal triggers and just helping surface the right ones. So it's a more difficult thing to influence. We're not trying to create impulse buying, right? Then mm-hmm. it's also difficult, but you know, it's a split second, one time decision and it's over. We're trying to create long-term relationship with the customers. We're trying to create habits that will last for them, which requires you know, influence behaviors. And, and that is difficult. Yeah, I love that. I think the focus on long-term relationships is one that is seems to really differentiate versus that impulse buy, right? And to some extent, do you see that as being, you know, trust is a foundation for that. And so you have to build trust with the user by showing that you understand them. Like, how do you think about relationship building? Yeah, absolutely. Trust is foundational. Emotional connection is foundational. And when we're thinking about how we build that long-term relationship, it is not about, you know, making the customers use the product more, right? I mean, that helps. I'm, I'm glad if they do. But if a customer is happy watching, you know, their one movie every Saturday night and that's it and they're healthy and they show up, you know, other healthy habits, great. We'll let them be. We've created that connection and can step. So it's not about just consumption, consumption, consumption. What we're trying to do is create healthy consumption. And that might be different for different customers. So it's about understanding the customer. It's about showing the customer we're understanding them. Oh, it's, we're not here to pressure you into watch things just because we launched them, right? If you're not interested, you're not interested. We understand your taste. And once we showcase that our recommendations are relevant, if we're sending you a message, it is you know relevant to you right now. We're not just sending everyone the same blank messages every Friday and Monday. It's talk to you when you need us to talk to you about things that are relevant for you or crafting the message in a friendly way that will sort of be easy to read, easy to understand. And all of that is is in terms of we got you, understand what you need from us, and we're here to make sure that you get the experience that will make you enjoy your content. 
Yeah, such an important distinction to make. I think that it is not just about more consumption. That is not your goal, but about building that relationship. Because I can imagine compared to something like mobile gaming apps, where it's just let's get these users into the game as frequently as possible. The goal ultimately is they remain a happy subscriber. And so we engage with them on their own terms to that effect. Can you give me ballpark i mean you obviously you must bucket these people create personas in some way of saying okay this is like the binge watcher this is you know the movie once a night on a saturday type watcher do you have a, a certain number of personas that you use that you find helpful or are you really focused on like let's ignore this persona type segmentation and let's focus exclusively on like what are all of the different intersections of the different behaviors that we have we have personas but to be honest we're using them more for analytical reasons and, and maybe for you know evaluating the catalog and, and stuff like that. When it's coming to how are we crafting the plan, the strategy for retention marketing at least, we are really trying to be there for the customers. So we're looking at all the junctions that are possible that we can identify and be ready there for the customer. It's not that if you're in a specific persona, you will get a different message per se. That is not mm -hmm. one, one accurate, you know, there are specific use cases that are so distinct. You mentioned like the binge watcher, but that's a cohort or persona that only has one end, right? So we need to actually shift you and move you to a different cohort. So if you join at the end of a show to binge it, we have whatever it will take you to watch eight episodes, 10 episodes to convince you to watch something else or to get someone in your household at least to enjoy the service and watch something else. But once you stop binging, either we failed and you will probably leave or we succeeded and you've moved on to be a different persona. And, and that's part of the reason why at that point, we're kind of shifting away from personas when it comes to our marketing activities and trying to be as one-to-one -one as possible. I, I used to tell the team that for me, personas is, is the same as average customer. It's just an average of a subset of your customers. And again, if you're looking at the average, you're not really relevant for anyone. So I'm, I'm really trying to make sure that we are ready for whatever the customer needs us for. Yeah, I love that. One-to-one -one is the way that we all build relationships in real life. So it's obviously how products should be building relationships with their customers as well, how brands should be doing that. You know, you've talked a lot about the mechanics of this, how you think about the different customers that you're you're personalizing to. What are you seeing in terms of channels? Like, is this all in app? Are you using other channels? Which ones are working well for you? So the way I'm looking at channels is they don't compete against each other. It's not this channel works better than that channel, but they work together. And the way we're trying to orchestrate it is that we know when the customer needs our help and sort of what we need to tell them to help them go on the right path. Where they see that message is less important as long as the message is delivered. And so we're trying to develop an action plan that will deliver the message to the customer first. Then we care about when is it delivered. Obviously, there are some channels that lend themselves more to specific type of messages than others. If you need more real estate, you know, an email is probably a better way to go than a push. But generally speaking, I'm driven by getting the messages message to the customer at the right moment. And so we usually create multi-channel campaigns that try to deliver in one channel first. And if it's not possible, then we'll try to deliver in a different channel. So the different customers might receive similar messages in different channels because of the way they're consuming. 
because of their specific, you know, preferences and opt-in requirements because of how they interact with the product. Obviously, if you're only using our product on desktop, then, you know, in-app messages might be you know, less relevant for you. Doesn't mean we're not going to send you the message anymore. Or push isn't relevant for you. We're not going to send you the message anymore. We're just going to use a different channel. Then I think both of the, this and the last question, when you talk about, okay, well, what are the channels are we using and are we using one-to-one or personas? I kind of like going back to think about, well, if we were a physical, you know, video store, how would we have interacted with our customers, right? And some of the messages would have been a sticky note on a movie with a recommendation, like staff picks type of thing. And some would be a conversation. We would approach the customer and, and start talking to them. And some would be a reactive conversation. We would let the customer approach us and just answer the question, right? And so it's the same thing we're doing now. We're just trying to make sure we're giving our messages at the right moment to help the customer select what to watch next or understand you know, how to use the product or whatever the message is. And so some of these messages might be relevant for everyone. They can be a sticky note on a piece of title. And if a customer finds them, they find them because they happen to whack, walk down that aisle. Then some of the messages, we need to proactively approach the customer and start a conversation with them. And these things can mean different things in the digital world. Some of them would mean, you know, we would send an email to a larger group of customers because it really is relevant for anyone who walked down a specific aisle that we've seen their search history on the platform, we've seen what they've watched. And some, we would wait for our customer to do an action that will trigger a reaction from us. But all of these are relevant as long as you look at your store holistically and understand the different way customers interact with your store. Yeah, I love that. The proactive conversation rather than kind of the reactive engagement. That takes a different, I guess, quality of interaction to some extent, right? Versus just sending a message or reacting to behavior in the platform. How are you creating those conversations or like, how are you having those conversations one-to-one with customers? Are there particular types of content or platforms where you're gathering data outside of just like what they've watched or what they didn't react to that you sent to them or where you're trying to understand their preferences more? We try to understand as many cues as we can take from a customer. And I can Mm -hmm. give a specific example in this reactive versus proactive. We mentioned before, someone is watching the show and they're about to finish it. When they're closing to the end of the show, it's probably a good time for us to proactively approach that customer and say, we've seen that you've been enjoying this show. How about trying that one? You think you'd really like it based on, you know, the cast of this show and that show, based on the genre, based on the producer, based on people who've watched this show traditionally enjoy that show. There's many different reasons why we might recommend something for you. Versus a customer is saving a show to their watch list, but then not coming back to watch it. Maybe that's when we need to sort of react and tell a customer, just a reminder, you save this for later, it's later now, knowing when is the right time to trigger that. So there's some stuff that we would understand the customer is about to reach an intersection. They're about to finish a show. They're binging something and they're about, again, to, to finish that show. Or, or And then we're proactively approach and not wait for them to reach that. And by the way, it's not just um, about consumption. It can be also like, Technical issues. We've noticed that someone had a history of failed payments, right? And involuntary churn is a big topic. So we can approach the customer proactively and say, hey, maybe uh, updating to a different payment method. We can approach a customer and say, hey, we've noticed you're about to finish the show. And some things, we need to take a step back and wait for the customer to come to us. And we see 
the behavior they're doing, the actions or the lack of actions they're taking, and react when that happened based on you know, what we know from that customer. We know how they're consuming the content, what they save to the watch list, what their downloads, what they search, what they watched and finished, watch they watched and, and you know, abandoned halfway. And that can tell us that they didn't quite enjoy it, right? And so understanding all these things, we are lucky to have a deep enough catalog and a product that works on a vast majority of platforms that we are able to then go back to a customer and help them tailor their experience. Hey, we've noticed that you're watching on mobile. You know, here's how you Chromecast to enjoy this movie deserves a big screen, right? Here's how you like educating about that specific feature. Or yeah, we've noticed that, you know, the last X amount of titles you watch are all from the same director. Like here is his full library that you might enjoy, right? So depending on how you interact with the product, how you, what type of content you're enjoying, how you're paying us, right? That all can also trigger a bunch of paths that are relevant for the customer and for us to be able to maintain a long-term relationship, right? If you can't pay us, it's a problem. Um, <laughs> so understanding these different interaction, how the customer has been consuming it. If the customer is new, we might look at customers with similar histories. They came from the same acquisition channels. They consume product on the same platforms. They've watched the first title that you watched in the first week, right? We can look at similar customers. That usually will be done for early 10-year customers that we can't, we don't know much about. But as we get to know you better, we try to tailor it to, to you. Yeah, I love that. And thank you again for going into the details because I think that's what's really interesting to our audience is understanding how how brands, how marketers are are crafting these journeys. And it you do have, you know, every business is obviously unique and it's a marketer's job to figure out how to engage the customers within that u- unique context. But at the end of the day, uh, there's so much that we can learn from other industries and from how other brands are doing it. So I really appreciate the detail. Maybe stepping out of what's going on at uh, Warner Bros. specifically right now, you know, what is something in marketing today that you're excited about that you wake up in the morning and you think, huh, this is something that there's a lot going on here. I mean, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on in like new hardware coming to life and new software coming to life and, you know, everything from uh, VR and AR and all that. But I think for me, what I'm excited about is what we mentioned at the beginning is, is the fact that we're finally getting that much attention for attention marketing that I think would allow brands all over the world to pivot to be more consumer centric pivot to think more about their long-term relationship with a customer rather than that specific transaction at hand but lately we've been going more and more or what occupies me now in terms of technology and is going more and more deeper into true omni-channel and thinking about omni-channel not just in the sense of what marketing channels do we have email push in-app you know, Facebook Messenger, et cetera, et cetera, WhatsApp, but rather omnichannel from a customer perspective, what are all the places that customer sees messages from us? And those messages might be on the product itself, right? It might be the copy we're using on the product. It might be error messages. It might be messages they're getting from our partners, you know, uh, in our purchase providers, partners, and WhatsApp. And how do we tie all of these? It might be, you know, and midstream promotions and uh, pre-rolls. And there's many, many different, well, for lack of a better word, channels that a customer is receiving messages from. Not all of them are pure marketing channels. 
And if we traditionally thought about, okay, omnichannel marketing is pushing up email, that is from our perspective. But I'm trying to think from a customer perspective again. Well, no, that's not just it. Most of the customers who maybe not be in the industry working on a very similar product would not know the difference between a in-app message and a pre-roll. You know, if one of them is an ad and one of them is a message from us, if they look the same, they would all be categorized for the customer in their head as an ad, even if it's our messages, right? So how do we make sure that it's very clear, A, what the message is, and B, that it's a conversation and we can't look at each one of those messages separately? An error message that pops up when a customer has reached a dead end in the experience should have the same tone of voice, same look of feel. It should not say error. It should say, hey, you know, we've noticed that you're trying to do this action. How about we'll help you get there by clicking here, right? You know, I'm not a copywriter, so forgive me for that. But so how to bring all of these together, in-app, email, push, and all the rest of the touch points that a customer sees, they all should be part of the same conversation. Yeah, I love that also, that shift in mindset from, you know, business brand focused, reaching the customer, like trying to get in front of them for a specific thing to a specific goal and going back and thinking, no, what is that experience across everything? Because ultimately, that's what builds trust. That's what builds the relationships. That's what makes them choose you. So I think that's a very productive way to think about it. I mean, Yoav, you've obviously learned plenty across uh, your career so far. What are kind of the top three pieces of advice you would give other marketers? Wear sunscreen. Fantastic <laughs> advice. <laughs> uh, that's, yeah, always good. I would say we'll start from why. You know, don't do stuff because that's what we've been doing for years. Understand why you're doing it. Why is it important for the customer? Why is it important for the company? And where do those two meet? Don't just do things because of inertia and then, you know, tradition and whatever. And I think a big one that helps with a why as well is make sure you're measuring what really matters for you. And, you know, especially in today's world, there's so much data. We can measure so many things. We can track so many data points. And honestly, we can look at the numbers that would make us feel good with what we're doing, right? We can choose what numbers we're looking at. But make sure you're looking at the numbers that matter for the business and that you almost only look at those. The rest might be noise. They might be distractions. So honestly, for us marketeers, an email open rate, even an email click-through rate, I don't really know how that is, you know, if it's correlated with the success of the business. What I want to know if I send a content recommendation via email is if someone streamed the content I recommended, right? So make sure you measure and you track the KPIs that truly would measure success. All the rest, at some level, yeah, track them, track them. It's not bad to have the data, but, you know, make sure you're not distracted by them. Make sure you don't let that noise drown you into, you know, going over and over about how to optimize open rates for emails. And then essentially Apple comes one day and changes the whole way we look at open rates or people are opening your emails to unsubscribe for emails. Or, you know, there, there might be a lot of different things that would make this KPI not relevant at all, but whether or not people took the end action that one them today, people embarked on this healthy path that we try to nudge them on. That's what matters. So track, track that. Yeah, absolutely. I know plenty of marketers that completely disregard open rates as an example now, but I think three great pieces of advice. Wear sunscreen. That's probably one that everyone, even beyond marketers, should be adhering to. Start from the why, a very, very powerful principle. I think we should all adopt pretty much across anything in life, really, but it's a very good marketing principle. 
Yeah, and measure what matters is true. There is a lot of distraction out there. So that is going to be the key to success in the long run. You know, looking forward five years from now, what do you think the, the future of consumer marketing looks like? It will be hard for me to answer that question if you're asking about five months from now. Yeah. <laughs> so five years from now is, is very challenging. What I would say, what I see now the future going to is taking what I said before about, you know, the customer not caring or not differentiating between the different channels. For them, it's one you know, interaction with a company or a brand or a service and whether a message is delivered via A or B. I think that would expand further beyond an individual service into your entire interaction with that ecosystem of products or different products from the same brand or different services from the same brand and the expectation from the customer and, and also the way brands would start reacting would be to continue the conversation, not to start it from scratch with every new product line, with every new service. And so... How do we zoom out even more? We used to look at a message. Then we used to look at a channel. Now we're looking at a product. Now it's going to be looking at an umbrella of products and shifting from a product world into a customer world, which means, okay, we're looking at a customer interaction with all of our products or services and across all of the life cycles of that customers because they might come in and out of different services at different time. And how do we make sure we keep that conversation? I think that's where we're going for now, if that's, you know, five years or, or five days, it's hard to say, we'll, we'll make our way there. But I think with the focus now on retention, it will mean that there will be a lot of developments done both on you know, data engineering and, and technical infrastructure and capabilities that would allow us to tailor the conversation with the customer further and further. Yeah, I love that. It just like uh, human relationships, right? We remember the context of all of our conversations, of all of the different ways in which we've interacted with the people we have relationships with. And I think the best brands out there in the future are going to be doing the same across all of those products. So I think that's a great, great call out. Yoav, that's all we have time for today, but I really love this conversation. If people want to hear more about you or follow what you're doing, where should they go? LinkedIn. Uh, I can find me there. and. Um... Yeah, reach out. So trying to be uh, reactive as I can. <laughs> well, you heard him. That's Yoav and I uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, so reach out if you have any feedback from the episode. And also to me, I always love hearing feedback from uh, this episode or any others. So go ahead and DM me on LinkedIn uh, or check out Spectrum at spectrum.io to learn more about what we're doing in the messaging space or go to Spectrum on LinkedIn. Yoav, thanks so much for joining today. Thanks for having me. Have a good day. You too.